Uh, it's good to see you guys. Hope you guys are having an amazing week. It's good to, to see you starting your week. We kind of consider like Sundays as like a launching point for our week, just to prepare our hearts on what God's going to be doing, just allow Him just to, to work in us throughout the week. So if this is your first time, we just want to welcome you, and we really hope it is a, a great place for you just to call home and, and, and can grow in both faith and in family. And uh, just over the next month, we're going to be going into a brand new series called Unfolding, that's, we're kind of using this origami theme, and I just want to shout out to my wife Taryn and Megan Welch, who are doing the, the installations in the coffee room. It's so cool, and so uh, thank you guys for that. They've got the origami stuff going on up there, but um, we're, so we're going to be just unfolding, and one of the things about our lives that we're going to be looking at is just the will of God and purpose, and it's really, we're going to start this a little bit deeper than what we're going to cruise through the rest of the month. We're going to be looking at some practical things like calling and how our calling crosses our career and how those are all put together and like why on earth are we put on this planet. We're going to be dealing with some deeper issues like purpose, but we're certainly going to be moving into a place as opposed to trying to make these things more confusing or even trying to resolve these major questions, actually just try to simplify them in a way that we can really live a life that's honorable to God. And so we're going to be going into the text here in just a minute. But um, there's this funny relationship that I think that we have with mystery, like I think we love it, but I think we also hate it. For instance, Christmas, like we like the fun of shaking a box. How many of you guys are box shakers? Like admit you're a box shaker, you're not a box shaker. Some of you guys are good. Uh, my wife's told a story where they actually unwrapped all their Christmas presents while mom was away and then rewrapped them. That's, that's one way to go about it <laughs> if you're really just overshaking the box. I think we have the same thing with like uh, with certain movies. Like I love a good thriller. I mean, I'm not into horror, but I like a good thriller. Like, and there's just gonna be a good surprise ending. We love like the Inception, where the the top just keep. It was the top. Is that what it was? Or something keeps spinning and like, oh, what happened? Like, what's the surprise ending? What's gonna be the hook for it? And, and I think mystery is a really beautiful thing that we love. But I think when it comes to deeper issues, we really hate it. Like. We'd just rather know. Like, we'd rather just have the answers. Life would be easier. We could move on. We don't want the shaking of the box. We just want to tear into it like my wife does. We just want that. And so we're going to begin to look at some text today and really set the foundation for this series. Um, as we look at this complex thing of, the, of purpose and will of God is, is less um, a defined answer for us. But it's more a life of, of obedience to God and trusting Him and trying to walk faithfully. I've been doing some, some um, just praying over this message over and over again just because it's a, a deep thought for us to kind of wrestle with. And maybe at the beginning of August you weren't really ready to wrestle with it. But my job today and what I feel like my goal is is not really to resolve all of life's deepest issues because frankly I cannot but if I can get us to a place, in a place in our hearts and our minds where we're willing to embrace both the complex and the simplicity of the life that we live in and honor God um, with what we know and what we can walk with, that's going to be my goal. And so we're going to move into Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, beginning at, at uh, verse 3 and, and kind of working our way through a handful of verses and then jumping over to John chapter 6 here in just a moment. So we'll begin with that. And one of the things that we're going to get into here, for those of you that are parents or, or teachers, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's traditionally the, kind of some of the, the content here has been a little bit, I don't want to say controversial because it hasn't been controversial, but it's definitely been one of those texts that people like to debate and that's kind of hotly contested. And so I'm going to kind of wade into this and some of you will be more familiar and some will be less familiar and like 
just want everybody to know, like if you're not quite putting all the pieces together, wait, wait for it, like let the whole thing develop. Um, it's okay. Everybody's safe here in these waters. Like this isn't about like having all the answers. This is about looking at, at the text and really asking God, okay, what does that mean? Like help me to understand it. And I think that's where the church in, in its history has really kind of gotten it wrong that we'll pick a text and as opposed to saying, okay, what does this really mean for our lives? Like, how does this play out? And let's really talk and discuss this as brothers and sisters in Christ. We'd rather just pick teams and fight over it and then, you know, point fingers. And I think that's the opposite of what the text wants us to do. So we're going to look at it here. And what we're going to be going into is a text um, that, again, as parents and um, uh, teachers, some of you in the room or some of you that nanny or uh, have kids, like you, you probably understand that sometimes, always, if you've ever tried to break up a fight, anybody ever tried to break up a fight? Like you try to break up a fight and then you're like, okay, who's responsible for this fight? Because that's the one we need to punish. Um, which that's not how my dad did it. He just gave everybody a spanking and went back to playing. So um, <laughs> I, I can say that because he's in the room. Um, uh, but that's certainly like uh, um, we understand this. And so what I think uh, we'll be, um, we have to realize is that there'll be, there's one side of the story, there's another side of the story, and then there's what actually happened. And so as we go into this text, let's, let's really say, God, what are you actually saying here? Let's not look for picking sides, but let's, let's dive in and ask what God would say. We're going to begin in uh, verse um, uh, chapter 1. Did I say verse or chapter 4? I meant to say uh, chapter 1. Verse 3. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. He chose us before creation to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be accepted or to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Let's stop right there, because there's a couple things already. People are like, hey, that long word in the middle there that talks about predestination. I've heard one say that that's like how it is, and I've heard another side say that that's a weird word, and like it's not the translation. So this is like one of these things that has constantly, it's, it's divided the church in, in many ways. And and this is something to be discussed. It's something, that's why I bring it up today. It's something to be examined and to pray about what this means. But it's nothing for us to fight about because I, I think there's, there's more that's being said. Sometimes we get hung up on one little element and God's trying to say something so much bigger to us. And that's what I want to lock us into. Uh, I, and it's funny that those that would be very much weirded out by the word of predestination or, or the idea of God choosing us or, or that, that God foreknows are definitely, I think, people who would probably, you know, say that God knows the words that, uh, uh, that we're going to speak before we say them. Like Psalm 139.4, the psalmist said that. Like, God, before I speak a word, you know it. I, I think many people would quote that or say, God, you know the hairs on her head. God, you knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. But somehow when we get to this place, we're like, oh, but God doesn't know how we're going to respond to his grace. And we kind of draw a line, and, and, we, and in that we limit the sovereignty and knowledge and power of God. I mean, do we not? I mean, and, so, and I think there's something dangerous about that. And, and I think what the text is saying, one side has said, well, he's not talking about, he doesn't say anything about free will. I think we get into it, and, and the text I'm going to look at in John chapter 6 says the sovereignty of God and the free will of God can ex- coexist. They, they, they can coexist, and the complexity of that is beyond our wildest imagination. 
And I think that's where I want to bring us to today, is not to resolve this idea of the sovereignty of God and free will and say, pick a side. No, it's to say that both coexist, and it's beyond the scope of our wildest understanding. The scriptures say that his thoughts are not ours. He doesn't operate in time and in space like we do. And God has plans that are far beyond our comprehension. So I think we look into further into the text, but I think if you really look at what he's saying here, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Why be holy and blameless? Because God is holy. You can't have communion with God and be filthy. I mean, it's like, you know, going to see the president of the United States wearing, you know, a tank top and shorts and flip-flops. Like, dude, you don't do it. And so, but God, like, imagine that to, like, uh, with eternity and a perfect God. Like, he is in communion, communion with us and wants that communion with us. But the only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ, which he goes on. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. The, the predestination was about being adopted. That Even if we look at Adam and Eve before the fall, like, God wanted communion with man. God wanted communion with man. It was it always been his, his mindset to have communion with us, that he wants fellowship, to be walking with us. And I believe that's exactly what it's saying here, is that he's always wanted communion with us. He's always wanted fellowship. And the only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us, freely given us in the one he loves. I think there's words like freely given and grace that we have to keep at the forefront here. Uh, Verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And so I, I think something as we kind of begin to go in here, we see like where the numbers of the verses are and we see where like those things are in commas and periods. But a lot of that wasn't in there. That's in there for us to be able to say, hey, turn to verse 8. You know, it's in there to make it a little bit easier for us. But, you know, so there's some of these things, for instance, with all wisdom and understanding. And, like, the, the sentence doesn't necessarily stop. He's just kind of continuing on. The wisdom and understanding. Well, is, that, is it our wisdom and understanding? Like, we now understand. God's given us wisdom and understanding to understand him. I know this is getting deep. Or is that his wisdom and understanding, knowing all things, he knows um, his, his plan in these things, to, that he lavished on us all this wisdom and understanding. Uh, and he made known to us, and here's where we want to know, when we begin to talk about what can we know about the will of God, can we know the will of God? He made known to us the, mi- oh gosh, I just lost my place, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. He made known to us the mystery. Like, he handed us the mystery, which he purposed in Christ, is what the scripture said. Which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. I think verse 8 can kind of give us um, kind of a, a glimmer of hope, like, you know, he's, he's given us this mystery and he's given it to us in Christ. Like, oh, then, then we can know it through Christ. He said, when the times reach their fulfillment, that means there are things that we will know and there are things that we will not know. There are things that we will have wisdom and comprehension of and there are things that are far beyond that. And for those of you that have maybe been going through a lot in your life or maybe you've been wrestling with some texts like this in your life and, and you struggle, like, God, how come I, I can know this but I can't? know the whole, and I think what it brings us back to is relationship with Christ. 
is that the present, the gift, which if we actually look at the word grace when it shows up, the Greek word is charis, and it actually means grace gift. I mean, it literally means gift. And so if we think in like our, our, our normal kind of modern context of what a gift is, like it's the present, it's the shaking, like every day is just like spending that time unwrapping the present we have in Christ and knowing what we can know about Christ. And if we want to know the heart of the Father, we will come into relationship with the Son. And so many of us, we want to, we want to kind of jump that step. We, 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 want, we want God's greatest plans for our life, but we don't want to have relationship with Jesus. And like the two, like you've got to have relationship with Jesus. That's um, God's plan in this. Before the creation of the world, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, According to his good pleasure. Like, I don't, I don't think, like, Jesus was plan B. Like, I, I just don't think Jesus was plan B. I think God had always intention to express to mankind his love by giving his only son. I believe that. I, I believe that, that there, there wasn't a plan B. And you say, okay, well, where is, what, what's, what's perfect will of God and what's permissive will of God, okay? The difference in these two is, is there are things within God's will, like Jesus was going to the cross, like there was going to be redemption, we were going to be in communion with God no matter what, like God wanted that, he wanted that, he wanted that relationship, that's why he instilled in us a desire to know our creator, that's why he desired in us, you know, put a desire in us to understand why on earth we are here, and so I think it brings us back to the point of knowing Christ, like in, in understanding that that we won't know all these mysteries. The mystery of his uh, will is revealed in Christ for, uh, when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under the head, one head, even Christ. Let's continue. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise and glory. There's so much right there, in my opinion, to the plan of him um, who works everything in conformity. I, I think we struggle with this. I mean, isn't this one of the things that for, maybe you, uh, you're a believer in the house, maybe you're not, maybe there's somebody you, you work with, and like, God, why do you let that happen? Why do you, you know, and I actually had a, a friend who, who's an atheist uh, that I grew up with, um, you know, I was messaging with him, and he's like, what is it with the church that, like, we give, you know, God all the glory for the good things and don't give him also credit for the bad things? Like, how is that? I think this is a question that I think we have to, to look at and know that God is, is working to draw all men to himself. And what I love, what I love about this verse 12 here, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, that this life indeed is not about like, don't we feel like everything is an attack against us? But I, I think it's a little bit self-centered to think that everything that's happening is like God smiting us, but in fact, God is drawing all men to himself, both through good and evil men, through tragedy and triumph, through miracles and through mystery. God is drawing men to himself. And God has called us to be faithful, to do what verse 12 says, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of not our glory, our wisdom and understanding, but for his glory, that our faith and our hope, putting that in him, would be for his glory. And I think it's um, so powerful 
And, and so, so what does this mean for our life? Well, there's a lot of questions to be asked in here, and we're doing a whole series on purpose and the will of God. So this is going to be unfolding. <laughs> That's what we call it, a series of unfolding. And I told you my, my job is not to resolve all questions for you today, but to probably leave you asking some deeper questions, Le- leave you wanting to look deeper into the scriptures. And hopefully by the end of this message today, we'll understand that simplicity is something that we should embrace um, not only the complexity. For me, I think one of the greatest things that drew me to Jesus um, was his teaching style. I feel like he was really simple, but he was really deep. Like he would like, take something like sheep or a coin, like a lost coin, and he'd make it this really deep thing. And he took really simple guys who just fished, and he, he, he drew them out and he said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. They're like, Jesus, that sounds weird. You know, I'm going to draw you into this deeper life. And I was always drawn to the teachings of Jesus. And so I want to go to John chapter 6 um, and look at the teachings of Jesus here. Because there's so much that to, to unwrap and unpack, and, and it's not my goal today. But I think locking into what it means to just, just to trust God. And, and understand there are going to be limits to our understanding on this earth. And, and there are no limits to God's sovereignty. There's no limits to his understanding and wisdom and, you know, I, I think my son, I, I kind of had this relationship that I think we have with God sometimes is, you know, I'm like, hey, just trust me. I'm like always convincing him, just trust me, just trust me. Like, hey, son, if you'll try that food, we did it with fish. Like when he was seven months old, he would eat fish. He'd eat like a whole filet of fish, but he hasn't eaten it since. Like he just won't touch the thing. He's like, a, you know, he's a texture dude. You know, you guys texture people like that food weird job because of the texture. Well, the other night we were eating fish and um, I, I, I kind of played this game. I'm like, son, what if this is the best? What if this is your favorite food and you just don't try it? And I think some of us in our relationship with, with God, like God's doing everything he can to compel us and set it before us to trust in him. But we want, to, we want, we want the, these big answers and we won't just rest and trust in him. We won't wrestle with these things. And, and I, I think it was um, uh, Oz Chambers in, in his utmost for our... Um, my utmost for his highest. He, he, he talks about uh, not wrestling with God, but wrestling before God. If you wrestle with God, uh, talking, uh, you know, re- referring uh, to a previous pastor in text where, you know, someone wrestles with God and he ends up wounded and with a limp. He says, if you wrestle with God, you'll leave wounded, but if you wrestle before God, you'll leave whole. And I thought that was such a powerful text. So as we go into John chapter 6 and we look at Jesus, I think maybe he's going to clarify some things. And I think more than anything, he's going to make this really simple and just locking into a real relationship with Jesus and trusting a sovereign God. So let's go to John chapter 6. And here we're going to find, uh, this is the, the fourth of the Gospels. This is the only Gospel that doesn't go in chronological order. He, he just kind of pieces them all together uh, in more of just the, a story, theological way that he felt made sense. So John chap- chapter 6, we're going to be on with verse 35. And I, I want to do a series on this, but Jesus throughout um, his ministry, especially in the book of John, John reveals this, that Jesus delivers seven I am statements. I'm going to do a series on this sometime. But he delivers these seven I am statements And I I believe um, this is the first one right here. So then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We're going to be taking it slow through this scripture. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, 
um, will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I mean, isn't that a bit what mystery is like? I mean, with this life, is like we're looking. Sometimes, like, you'll be longing for an answer, and you'll get a piece of it, and it'll kind of settle your stomach. But then you'll realize, okay, maybe that didn't settle it completely, and you'll want more. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I feel like he's saying the same thing that Paul is saying to the church. is like communion, it's always been about adoption to sonship and, and trusting and believing, being the ones to trust and put our hope in Jesus. So what it's always been about, I'm the bread of life. And if you, you don't want to go hungry, if you don't want to be thirsty, believe in me. And he uses the word come, which is a big word for Jesus. I mean, it's what he told his disciples, come, follow me. I think Jesus is going to reveal more and more. I want you to underline come, underline believe, uh, believes um, as we go forward. Verse 36. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. You've seen me, but still you don't believe. I, I think there may, there's probably some people in the room that, like, you've seen Jesus. Like, you, you've heard messages about Jesus. And some of us, we still don't believe. I mean, there's this phrase that goes around, seeing is believing. You, you guys ever heard that? Like, oh, I've seen it. Now I believe. Jesus is saying, look, you've seen me. Like, just before this text, Jesus has walked on water. He's fed the multitudes. He's like, you saw me, and you still don't believe. And I feel like some of us, like, we're like that. I mean, we're just a little bit fickle in our trust with God. Like, we've seen it, but like, we're like, yeah, that just wasn't enough. <laughs> like, what do you mean that wasn't enough? God is pouring out his heart and, and his, his unrelenting grace like after us and we're just like, yeah, but... And, and we, we just treat it so kind of nonchalant sometimes instead of locking into the Son of God that's right before us. You've seen me and still you don't believe. Verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. He's talking about, I believe he's about following me. Like, it's not just seeing, it's believing and following me. And something we're going to see as this text rolls down in like verse 60 is that there are some people who have been following him, who have been disciples of Jesus, and turn their back on him and walk away. They're like, this teaching is hard, Jesus. That's literally what they say in verse 60. This teaching is hard. And they turn around and walk away. Verse 38. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Like, if we want to know the Father's heart, we've got to just be in relationship with the Son. He, he's going to reveal those things to us. Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose none of them, of, the, of all of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Not only looks, not only sees, but believes. And so if there's some of you in the house today, like you've been looking on, you've been onlookers, but you haven't believed in Jesus, then like I believe like today can be a day where you turn your heart towards him and believe on him and just make a real decision to follow him. And, and not just when the teaching gets tough, like we, we turn our back and walk away, but a real decision to follow him, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. I'll raise them up at the last day. Verse 41. At this time, the Jews were beginning to grumble. This isn't the first or the last time that they've grumbled in this text, just to let you know. He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They're, they're having trouble with the divinity of Jesus. They're like, well, we saw your mom and dad, verse 42. 
They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can uh, he now say, I came down from heaven? Continue verse 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up at the last day. God is, is drawing all men to himself, both through miracles and through mystery. God is revealing himself, I think, through triumph and through tragedy. He's drawing men to himself. It's, it's his heart that none be lost, but like some of us have seen and, and we've chosen not to believe. Like, and God is drawing you. He, he's making pleas to you. Man, I just kind of go back into my own personal journey and walk with Christ and just moments. I feel like even, a, even as a small child where I just know God was longing for my heart, but I was reluctant to believe. I, I was, I'd seen things of God, but I, I, I couldn't, my heart would not believe. And, but the more and more, like, God was just, he was after me. And so what does that mean for us? Like, what does that mean? Well, I think for, for some of us in the room, like, it's respond to the grace of God. He, he's longing to have relationship with you. Before the creation of the world, he's longing to have relationship with you. And it's restored through Jesus Christ. Our redemption is through forgiveness of sins. It's through Jesus. I think, you know, to others in the house, that be like, okay, I, I get that, Kyle. Like, so what does that mean as far as reaching people? I, I think uh, Paul, Paul says it, I believe in Corinthians, in one of the Corinthian letters, and he says, you know, don't look like, uh, you know, they're arguing about who they follow. Do they follow Apollos or, or Paul, like two different disciplers? They're like, don't argue about that because the one who plants and the one who waters are, are nothing. It's all about the one who makes it grow and the Father, like, makes them grow. And so what I want my life to be consumed with is, is planting as many seeds and as watering as many seeds as I possibly can. I'll give my life for it for the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ like we saw in, in Ephesians 4.12. Like, that's what I want my life to be poured out to and let God do his thing. Like, I, I want to simplify, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, the, the person, the son, the daughter of Christ that he's called me to be. Um, and, and I'm going to let God be God and stop trying to control everything about my life and allow God to just work through me and in me. That, that men might be more drawn to him as we're a light in the world, as we're salt and light in, in this world. I believe that God's calling us into that relationship. I think so many of us, we want, we want the answers, but like the best thing that we could do is like just come to the Lord on a daily basis and say, God, what do you want from me? Like, I, I just want to be with you and not even make it about questions and answers, but just make it about communion. And know that those things are going to be revealed when we just learn to put our trust in him. And I don't know what that means for your life, but I, I know we've all got questions about the will of God. Like, God, why does that happen? Why is this happening in the city? Why are there innocent, innocent people dying? Why did my family member you know, die, whatever those questions might be in, in your life. And those are real and those are hard. And I think just locking into the simplicity of the relationship that God longs to be in relationship with us. And he's drawing us closer. With everything that happens in and around us, he's drawing us closer into a relationship. And I think it, it brings us to keep our hearts pure in, in that relationship and not, and not look, to, and not allow it to grow hard by the terrible things that happen in this world. And know that God is, is drawing men with those very things. I mean, how many times have you heard that like a turning point for someone was a, a funeral? And that sounds terrible. 
But like in some people's lives, it, it has been. I'm not saying that's God's purpose and all that. I'm not getting into that big thing. But I'm just saying God uses it, and he's drawing people um, to himself. I want to finally go to Romans chapter 12 um, in verse 2. And we see this idea of God's perfect will. How can we, how can we know? How can we know? I think it gives a very clear pattern. And, and above all, this is what I, I want us to lock into this week as a people, as we go forward. This is what I, I, our heart's prayer to be. Not getting lost in a theological, you know, black hole, but I want to get locked into a relationship with Jesus that's making me new. I want to say that again. I don't want us to get locked into a theological black hole. I want us to get locked into a relationship that's making us new. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. I mean, it's metamorphosis is the word, the Greek word that we get here, the root. We went to a butterfly um, exhibit over in Gainesville a little while, actually on our anniversary. It was, inc- it was incredible. I mean, it was just really, really beautiful. I, I mean, and you guys know how butterflies work. Everybody familiar with how butterflies work? It's like this cocoon thing, and um, I'm sure there's a, a local elementary school kid who could explain it if you're not sure. Um, I'm sorry. That was kind of rude, wasn't it? Sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm genuinely sorry if I offend someone um, that doesn't know about how they work. Um, but be transformed. I mean, and so I, I think about this, this metamorphosis that kind of takes place in their life where they go into the cocoon and they return. And there's these beautiful butterflies all over the place. They're just covered. Covered all over this, this big, I don't even know what you call it. And I just think that's what God wants us to do in this season of our life. And just constantly be allowing us to renew our mind and be transformed into his image and not get into this fighting, arguing game, but get into this relationship that will transform us in the deepest of ways by the renewing of your mind. There's a difference in renewal and obtaining wisdom or that pursuit. I think there's a difference in what God wants to do in us it's not all about attaining, but it's about just staying in this presence. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is. <clears throat> Through the renewing of our mind, being transformed more into his image, being made new in him, we'll be able to, to look and say, well, that's definitely not the will of God. That definitely is. Things can be a little simpler if we'll allow it to be. It's just saying... Maybe you got two good roads in front of you. Maybe one of them's good, maybe the other one's good, maybe one's great and one's terrible. Sometimes the decisions are just harder, but if you're walking in a communion with God, a relationship with God, which is his desire, know that you're going to be able to look and, and test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. I know some of us, like, you, you want me, like, to just hand out some answers to what God's will is in your life, and I got nothing for you. But one thing I can tell you that I've experienced is a relationship with Jesus is all you need. Communion with God is all you need. And frankly, there's been times in my life where it's all I've had. And as, as bad as my heart was hurting and as many questions as I had standing before me, the only thing that matters is that Jesus was with me. 
Uh, what we use as our mission statement around here is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And one of my, I love our mission to go in the world and make disciples, but one of the most encouraging things from my heart is the very last part. I'm with you. I'm with you until the end of the age. And I can, I can give you answers. I can, I can give you prophecy, a word of wisdom or knowledge. But the only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus and trusting wholly in him. <laughs> and I believe that God's revealed himself to you. I believe he's revealing himself to you. And you need not try to figure things out. You need to just rest and know him. And life all of a sudden gets a little bit easier. Say, oh God, I don't know what to do today. I have no idea. But God, you're good. And like I know I'm going to walk with you and like things are going to be okay. I don't think my son worries when we leave the house where we're going. He asks the whole time we're there, Dad, where are we going? Where are we going? What you doing? Where are we going? And most of the time we're like, we're going somewhere. Sometimes we'll tell him little things. Sometimes we won't. But I don't think he's worried about it. And I think we ought to be the same way as Christians. Don't worry about where we're headed. I mean, I'm not talking about heaven and hell. I'm just talking about on a, on a daily basis, walking with God, your five-year, your 10-year plan. Just, just lock into a relationship with him. You can ask all along the way, but more than anything, just be in a relationship. Just have good conversations, and you're going to enjoy the ride a lot better. And I believe that what, that's what God's drawing us into more and more is, is just a, relation, a real relationship with him.